Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is The Informed Catholic. And we're going to do the readings for Friday, the second week of Advent. We're near the end of the week. Uh, so let's begin with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. From the imitation of Christ, longing for God, O Lord Jesus Christ. My most loving Savior and ruler of creation, who will give me wings of perfect freedom, so that I may fly to you and in your in you find perfect repose. When shall when shall I be granted the privilege to see how sweet you are, O Lord my God? When shall I become so centered in you, as not to be conscious of myself, but only of you? Above all sensible things, in a way not known to all, but now I frequently sigh and complain about the miseries of life. I daily encounter many evils in this veil of tears, because many pernicious things often happened that saddened me and darkened my path. They often hinder and distract me, lure and ensnare me. Preventing me from approaching you without reservation, and enjoying the sweet embrace always granted to your faithful followers, let my sighs and my fervent desires move your heart, and incline you to hear me. Amen. That was very beautiful, and uh, it's true. There's a lot of there's a lot of things we're living in a very decadent time and um, decadent because we have everything we need and we have more than what we need even though yes there are a lot of poor people and there are a lot of you could say people who don't have uh, the right medical attention and maybe there's there's a lot of poverty but we we do have everything that we need and we also deprive people of what they need. We want things. We don't necessarily need them. We want more. We're selfish. We want, we live in a selfish time where there's an obsession for self gratification. And we indulge ourselves with, with stupid things. We, we're, we're, we, we're making a spoiled generation, spoiled brats, angry. I mean, just today on a train, this young kid comes on 
I, I'm going to assume it's a boy that it, this young, this young kid was a boy. Um, had an iPhone, got on the train from, uh, from, uh, Barclay Center, uh, and Atlantic Avenue, Barclay Center. Glasses, sits in the corner, has an iPhone with uh, an iPhone, uh, Basically, the uh, iPhone jacket had a rainbow flag on it. And the kid had a rainbow medical mask, I guess because of the COVID. White kid. And completely an introvert. A complete in, in introvert. Completely uh, closed. And yes, a kid, but they grow up that way. Many of them grow up that way. Many of them grow up needy, uncertain, and unsure about themselves. And the kid also had a, a young kid had rainbow colors on. Was it, is it, you know, this kid obviously comes from very liberal parents is being indoctrinated at a young age into this LBGT alphabet community thing. Bent down, closed up, you know, doesn't want to look up, hair covering the eyes. Probably desperate for attention, uncertain. This is... This is the kind of generation we're going to, and, and, and it's going to grow up very angry. The, the kid is going to grow up very angry. And this is not just with the kid, this one kid. There's many like this. Many are being indoctrinated into this. Why? Why all of a sudden an entire generation is being indoctrinated into the, the, the homosexual agenda? Why? And this is what I mean by because our society has become decadent. We're constantly looking for pleasure. On our phones, we, we are looking for pleasure. We are looking for att attention. We want our opinions to count. We want our opinions to matter. We judge everything. We're teaching in a generation to judge by emotion. We're teaching a generation to be overly moral where they think that their morality is superior and that they are better than anybody else. This is the kind of generation we're raising. And parents are, 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 are sending their kids to get mutilated, to be to take away their, to destroy their body, to make them into a girl or make them into a boy. This is the kind of evil we're living in. And it's sad and it's scary. And I mean, this is not just outside the church. It's, it's now made its way inside the church. Where did this come from? 
How did we come to this? It's a it is the the creation according to Jewish mysticism the creation story man was created on the sixth day after all the animals if man remained on the sixth day man would be just a beast the human person would be just a beast and this is another thing we have to understand. A human being is collectively a member of being of, of, of the human race, but a person is an individual um, in that human race. Every single one of us is an individual, but we became a person when God breathed into humanity the breath of life and Man became a living being uh, with an opinion, with desires, with passions that need to be controlled and tamed. Desires, which also connect to passions, have to be controlled and tamed. But we are collectively made in the image and likeness of God both collectively and independently, which is why God, it was so important to us. All right, let's move on to the first reading. Okay. Entrance Antiphon. Behold, the Lord will come, descending with splendor, to visit his people with peace, and he will bestow on them eternal life. Grant that your people, we pray, Almighty God, may be ever watchful, for the coming of your only begotten Son, that as the author of our salvation himself has taught us, we may hasten alert and with, with lighted lamps to meet him with when he comes, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Isaiah 48, chapter 17, um, um, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17 to 19. If only you would hearken to my commandments. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I, the Lord, your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity would be like a river and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would be like the sand, and those born of your, of your stock like its grains. Their names never cut off or blotted out from my presence. Okay, one more time. Thus says the Lord, your, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity will be like a river, and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants will be like the sand, and those born of your stock like its grains. Then their names never cut off or blotted out from my presence. Amen. The word of the Lord. Okay, Psalm 1. 
Those who follow you, Lord, will have have the light of life. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walk in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. He is like a tree planted near running waters that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Those who follow you, Lord, will have the light of life. Amen. So, if you notice a pattern, uh, if you go to Isaiah, you'll see, you notice these words. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord, your God, teach you what is, what is, what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity will be like a river. And your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants will be like the sand, and those born of you, born of your stock like, like its grain. Their names never cut off or blotted out from my presence. Now, basically, here we see in Psalm 1, there's kind of similar words Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners nor sits in the company of the insolent, but but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on the law day and night. He is like a tree. Here, very similar to the wording here. Um, and those, bo- those, those born of you, born of your stock like its grain. Their knaves never cut off. And following the path, you see... Not taking counsel of the wicked, not or or joining the joining with scoffers, those who scoff and laugh and make jokes, laugh at people. You know how now in the modern world we get a lot of people who laugh at Christians, laugh if someone wants to wait um, uh, for marriage, laughs if someone wants to to go to church, or doesn't you know doesn't believe in same-sex marriages or, you know, thinks they're, they, you know, believes that Christ is the truth and other religions are false. They laugh at this stuff and they scoff and they want to put pressure on others to join them. It makes them happy to watch someone denounce their faith. It does. So, for people who believe you have to plant yourself like a tree, like it says, a tree and de- put your roots deep and you believe you believe that this is not just for you, it's for everybody. It's like what C.S. Um, Lewis 
I think I was going to plan to read that, but it didn't work out very well. I have to look into it again. Where C.S. Lewis thought that there should be a state marriage and a church marriages, and that the state marriage, uh, people can get an easy divorce. But the truth is, what he was doing is, he was making it easier for people not to get into a church marriage, but go into a state marriage. And Tolkien wanted to make it, wanted to send him a letter and told him that Christian morality is for everybody. It's for everyone. It's not just for the Christian. It's for everyone, the believer or non-believer. And that's something I think that's very important. We should remember that, you know, that Christian morality is for everybody. We're not elitists. We believe that Christian morality is for everyone and everyone has a right to it. And everyone has a right to know the truth. All right, so let's um, let's move on from there. Okay, so Gospel of Matthew, the entrance antiphon. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord will come. The Lord will come. Go out, go out to meet him. He is the Prince of Peace. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord will come. Go out to meet him. He is the Prince of Peace. Alleluia, alleluia. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16 to 19. They listened to neither John nor to the Son of Man. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came, neither drinking, neither eating or drinking, and they said he is possessed by a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, for a friend of, of tax is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. Gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the first reading, um, God tells Israel, he declares himself as their redeemer. Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you should hearken to my commandments, your prosperity will be like a river, and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants will be like the sand, and those born of your stock like its grain, and their name never cut off or blotted out from my presence. <clears throat> what's what it, what is it that we have today a lot of problems a lot of the young people today are lost they're lost and they don't know what to believe in they're they're looking for for something to believe in you see that in their um obsession <clears throat> with social justice they're looking and especially their obsession with 
with the problems, like with the, with this nonsense of, of, um, LGBTQI, this desperation to find meaning, to find something to belong to, something to fight for. And the reason why it's like this, because you see it, you see it in their, in their, a lot of them are introverts. They stare into their phone. They're concerned what somebody is saying about them. They want their voices to be heard. They want their opinions to count. Um, they want to, to be part of justice. They want to be part of um, something. But they don't know how to look back at the past because a lot of people have distorted the past. They had distorted legacies. And they don't realize that the people who are teaching them in school are using them for their own personal means, their own personal agendas by distorting information to them. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what to believe. They're told that the past is a lie. They're told that their parents are liars. They're told that the society is a liar. It's not true. They're told that the government and their country is not true. And the problem is, is because a lot of the conservatives, um, I think we're guilty. The generation, you know, that are conservative have, you know, have developed this idea in their head that if we just don't rock the boat, maybe they'll figure it out for themselves that what you know, that they're wrong. Maybe they'll just realize the importance of conservative values and the importance of, you know, of uh, the past and knowledge and everything. They'll figure it out for themselves. And we're told not to push it, not to, not to press on them. And, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, eventually they'll figure out everything. This is just a phase that they're going through. No, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um, our responsibility. Okay. Christianity, Christian morality is for everyone. See, there's a letter I'm going to read a, a letter. See us. Um, J.J.R. Tolkien was going to write a letter to C.S. Lewis because C.S. Lewis published something about that there should be two forms of marriages, a state marriage and a Christian marriage. And it should be like the Church of England or something. And then therefore those who want who get married by the state can get divorced by the state. And he wrote that in one of his books. I can't remember what it was. I have to, um, I was planning to do a podcast on that one and I'm going to do it later on. And J.R.R. Tolkien uh, was very disappointed in his friend because he tried to get Lewis to become Catholic. And he, someone found in his uh, piles of books in his office, in, in one of the books, it was C.S. Lewis's book, and folded was a letter 
that, that Tolkien was going to send to C.S. Lewis answering what he felt was a very bad uh, moral conclusion that C.S. Lewis came up with. And so therefore, in the letter they were reading, Tolkien answered, Christian morality is for everyone. When you think about it, that is absolutely true. It's not just for Christians. Christian morality is for everybody. You don't say that it's not, you know, it's not for the unbeliever or it's not for the atheist. It is uncharitable to say that. It's like the one who's given the one talent instead of going out and investing it, like Christ said, the person just buried it or put it away somewhere because it, you know, he didn't want to take a risk. That's, that's what it is like for conservatives, for some conservatives. They don't want to go out. They don't want the confrontation. They don't want to, um, to put, to invest in their faith because the idea of going out, sharing your faith is to invest. The right path means to walk that straight and narrow path, not to sit here and just do your prayers and pray your rosary and, um, you know, and say, I'm fasting for everybody. I'm doing pen. Yeah, all those things are important and good. But you have to go out and you got to talk to people. That's why the apostles were sent out. The disciples were sent out when Paul or Saul at the time was going around persecuting the church. The seed was scattered. And that's, that's exactly what, what Christ wanted. What our Lord wants. He wants us out there. And that's exactly what the intention was. To go out. To spread out. So therefore the faith is shared. You can't just simply keep it to yourself. You can't simply play it safe. It doesn't work that way. And playing it safe means... You know, oh, well, you know, let's just get the amount of number of kids in here, you know, like, you know, into the catechism class and, uh, you know, shove it down their throats a few, a uh, few things, what it means to be Catholic and get them ready for, um, you know, for confirmation and well, whatever it is, first communion and uh, send them out. No, you have to invest in them. You have to make sure that they are really practicing the faith. That they're facing the problem, that they that they they can come back and ask questions. You know, they're not experienced. You know, the the what's good, this is why he's saying, I will hold you, take you by the hand. All right? And lead you on the way you should go, the way you should go. If you would, if you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity will be like the river, a beautiful flowing river of constant believers, a healthy river flowing with no impediment and your vindication like the way, the waves of the sea, a beautiful waves of the sea. The sea is the people. 
the nations that will come to the faith. The sea represents all the world. And your descendants will be like the sand. The words he promised Abraham. You look up, count the stars, count the sand. All right? That is what it's supposed to mean. And those born of your stock, like its grains. Like the harvest. Christ uses that metaphor as well. The same, and, 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 the, and their names never cut off. Meaning that they themselves will have descendants and they will have descendants after those and they will prosper because of the faith that you pass down or they will never be blotted out from the from God's presence. But guess what? That is happening today. They are being blotted out. They're being mutilated. They're being corrupted. And that's our fault. That's our fault today. Where we have abandoned them. We've abandoned them to, to the state. We've abandoned them to the government. We have abandoned them to the teachers' unions. We've abandoned them to society that does not love them, that, lo that basically is mutilating them. And all we can do is shrug our shoulders and guess what? Go and, uh, you know, light a candle. Or maybe just pray your rosary. Or, you know, just sit. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have, we have to do something to speak up for them. We have to rock the boat. And you're going to have to take the abuses, take the name callings. You know, everybody's afraid of someone saying, you know, get your rosaries out of my ovaries, you know, and don't push your religion on me. Sorry, religion is a practice of cultivation. To, that's what the word cult comes from. It also means it, it's, it's connected to the word relationship, relationship with God, relation, loving your, loving God, loving your neighbor, right? And God's relationship with you. That's where that pyramid scheme comes from. You know, God is on top. You're here. Your neighbor's right there. Goes back and forth or the other way around. Doesn't matter. And to cultivate means to plant to plant, and that's where conservatives come from. Because you're passing the past, you're passing it to the future, which is the seeds that's being planted in, 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 in your cultivation, passed down to your children, passed down to your children's children. This is why marriage is important. And a lot of people don't seem to get it. So when we get to Jesus, when he's talking about what everybody's saying, you know, he said, what should I compare this generation? He means the generation of his day. 
And guess what? They're lost. They're abandoned. He's comparing them to children on the street. You know, little urchins running around trying to find something to do, trying to find something to, to, to occupy their time. You know, a little bit like today's kids, you know, heads on the phone, right? Playing a game, listening to what someone is saying about them on TikTok or what this person is saying about that person. That is basically neglect. It's basically child abuse at the worst kind. It's also basically an act of no love. No love. No love for those kids and no and not caring what's going to happen to them. And people then complain, oh, look at the young. You know, but basically a lot of the adults are behaving the same way too. You ever look at the, on, on them on the train? Everybody's got their head on the phone. I mean, I'm guilty of it too, but I, you know, I, I, I don't really care about social media. I find it boring technically, but you know, I listen to news reports. And I listen to podcasts, you know, or an audible book, but technically I think I'm guilty as well. I don't, I can't, I can't say I'm not guilty, but the point is you got to do something. And this is what happened. The phones have taken us away from God. Social media has taken us away from the gospel. All right. And, and, and politics, politics has also become, has replaced Christ, has replaced God. And everybody's wondering why they're unhappy. It's also, you know, the culture we've allowed to evolve. All, all we do is work. And not that it's not important to work, but people feel miserable. They feel unhappy. They feel that there is no purpose to this work. All we do is work, pay bills, pay taxes, get behind the bills, get behind our taxes. And we're not happy. We're miserable. You know, we've allowed some corrupt system uh, take over us and, and rule our lives and nobody has time. People are alone. People, I mean, look at Japan. Japan is the worst example, right? The largest elderly population and the elderly population outnumber the kids. Uh, people lived in cramped homes. The suicide rate is through the roof. There's a, a forest in Japan where they go to kill themselves, commit suicide. They're unhappy. They work late and they go in these hotels. They look like little coffins and walls. That's all they are. It's like a little tiny, you know, cod that you rent and you sleep in it. In a, in, in, a, in a hole in a wall. That's all it is. Literally, it's a hole in a wall. And they're alcoholics. And they get up in the morning, take their shower, and go back to work in the office again. And they'll do it again. They'll go back into the hole in a wall. Like a little rat. And that's life for them. And then what happens? 
they get old, no family, no wife, no kids, nobody to go home to. And they commit suicide. That's the life. And trust me, there's a lot of people here, elite, that would love the same thing to happen. And they actually, they're working on it. You know, now they have suicide assistance in Canada. All right. Suicide assistance in Canada. They got suicide assistance in the Netherlands. Okay. I mean, you know, grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, you're in the way. You know, you're taking up space. You're using up, uh, you know, the the medical, um, you know, insurance and somebody else could benefit better than you. Someone a lot more healthier and better good looking, you know, and with more money and only that. You know, you're uh, you're sitting on all that retirement. Might as well give it up to the state. <laughs> That's why they want to kill you. And then they'll um, they'll send you to the to the elderly farm, and they'll give you a you know family will give you a kiss, and uh, you know uh, they'll you know smile at you and and you know it's probably someone is saying please die already. And they'll give you a nice little cup with these little colorful pills. You take it, drink it, die. And they'll probably just cremate you because they're not going to bother to give you a grave. This is the life. That the, the This is the generation. You know, what does Jesus say here? We, uh, we, we played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, right? But, you know, you did not mourn. Because there's nobody to mourn and there's nobody to dance. Right? This is the generation, all right, that we're creating. They don't, there's a gener. John Paul II called it the culture of death. He warned us about this. But we smile and we say what a wonderful man he was. We'll build a statue to him. We'll call him a saint. But we did not take his words seriously. We didn't take his words seriously. And basically the elite in the church... All they love to say is, well, you know, John, you know, here in Jesus' day, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking, and they said he's a he's possessed by a demon. Okay? The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, "Look, he's a glutton and a drunkard." It's interesting, isn't it? Right? John the Baptist is is, called, is accused of being possessed. The Son of Man is accused of eating and drinking. Uh, John the Baptist was probably considered a religious fanatic by the elite. They obviously thought he was a religious fanatic. They criticized him. They called him names. They sent people to examine him and cross-examine him and basically interrogate him. Eventually, they had him arrested. 
they silenced him. They censored him. Yes, that's what's happening today. And the Son of Man, Christ, was very active. You know, he was involved. He went around talking to people. He went around um, helping them. He, he did everything he could. He gave talks and people listened to him. The religious leaders went after him. They interrogated him. They accused him and his, and his disciples of eating and drinking. They were very sociable with, their, with, with the crowds, with the public. And people wanted to hear what he had to say. And they wanted to hear his answers. They wanted to hear him confront the religious leaders. They wanted to hear it. And the religious leaders didn't like being confronted. They didn't like me being made fool of. They didn't like being challenged. They were playing it safe. Right? They were trying to balance a relationship with Herod, Antipas. They were trying to balance their relationship with Rome. Okay? And their main goal was to keep the power over the people. Right? The Sadducees had the temple and they had their um their worries with with Herod and with the with Rome. The Pharisees were were you know, they had their own factions and everything, and they were too busy trying to keep their power over the synagogues and over the people. And of course, there was the marketplace, right? That area where they were selling the the goods, the animals for sacrifices and for the, uh, you know, for the, you know, for the temple and the money changers, you know, the money changers for the money, the taxes, the temple taxes, that was very important to them. That was placed in the courtyard of the Gentiles. Right? That was in the courtyard of the Gentiles. A place where the Gentiles were supposed to be to participate in the temple, to learn about Judaism, to learn about the one true God. That's why Christ said, my house is a house of prayer for all nations. That's where it was supposed to be. And they were failing on their mission. How many times Jesus said, how many times the gospels actually said, he, he, he saw that the people were left wandering like sheep without a shepherd. That's basically accusing the religious leaders of not doing their work. And today, a lot of people feel that they don't have shepherds. They don't have leaders to teach them because the faith has become burdensome to some of them. It's become burdensome. Many priests today who are Orthodox are being silenced. You know, they're being silenced. Think about it. A priest can have a thousand good letters sent to the bishop's office. All of them saying wonderful things about the priest, how he's helped us, how he's a, a, a wonderful uh, teacher. He's a wonderful priest. And then one 
person just sends one bad letter. <sighs> Isn't that funny? And that one let bad letter stands out above all the thousand good letters. This is just an example. And that's exactly what the problem is. You see, they don't want good priests. They don't want a priest that's, that people love. They don't want a priest that's orthodox. They don't want a priest that cares about the people, that teaches the faith. They want a priest that's flexible. They want a priest that just does his job for the archdiocese, for the bishop. They don't want someone who actually teaches the faith. That's why a lot of them are being canceled. It's sad. It's very sad. And you know, but wisdom is vindicated by her words. Wisdom is vindicated by her words, our Lord says. Because eventually, what is wisdom? We'll have to say it's the Holy Spirit. We have to say it's the mind of God. You know, God will, will prove his point. God will make himself heard. God will, God will basically have the final word. It's sad. It's very sad because our job basically is we have to know the faith. We have to know our faith. We have to know how to talk about our faith. We can't just wait. God, God, God already has given us everything we need. The catechism the scriptures, the sacraments. We have the rosary, but we have to talk about the faith. We can't, you know, we can't just be silent. We have to talk about the faith. We have to do our part. And also we have to support the good priests. That's another thing. We have to support them. We have to support them. We have to help them. But, you know, it's not that it's, it's nothing is hopeless. It's just, you know, who was it that said, I think it was St. Bernadette, St. Bernadette who, uh, who said that she is more scared of bad Catholics than, you know, she's more scared of bad Catholics. And that's, that's a lot to say, isn't it? All right, let's move on. Okay. Um, be pleased, O Lord, with our humble prayers and offerings. And since we have no merits to plead our cause, come, we pray, to our rescue with the protection of your mercy through Christ our Lord. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our mortal bodies to conform with his glorified body. This uh, Philemon, or I'm sorry, Philippians, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven especially those in most need of thy mercy. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.